We're born again by the very nature of God. And what is the nature of God? Love. God is love. Yes. And love is the key ingredient of the fruit of the Spirit we read about in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Yes. That's the beginning of all this, is understanding the fruit of the Spirit that lives within us once we're born again. And that's what we're going to talk about. How to walk in the Spirit and understanding the fruit of the Spirit, because that's the key, understanding how the fruit of the Spirit operates in our life. Here we go again, one of those huge subjects. (laughs) (laughs) I think uh, we're just going to begin, and then we'll be in process. The rest of our lives. <laughs> You're absolutely <laughs> correct. Dig well, that it, out of us. It's a process is what it is. And that's what we're doing. We're digging it up out of us, this nature of God that's in us. We're renewing our minds to who we are now in Christ, this very nature of God in us. And that's so we can walk in the Spirit and have victory in our life, isn't it? There you go. That's why it's important to understand the fruit of the Spirit. So I'd like to read from Galatians. Everybody's familiar with this passage, I'm sure. Galatians chapter 5, starting with verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. At the beginning of 22, it talks about, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. That's the Spirit of God in us. Yes. That's the key to understanding all this, is that fruit of love. Verse 23, at the end of that, it says, against such there is no law. There is no law against love. Amen. Love fulfills the law. (laughs) You remember when we talked about that, when I gave you a phone call and was telling you what the Lord was revealing to me in Romans? Yes. And I want to turn to that real quick in Romans. Romans chapter 13, I believe. Thank you. You remembered our conversation, didn't you? I had to go read it several times. (laughs) It was just, it's awesome revelation. Romans chapter 13, verses 8, 9, and 10. And this explains love. This is how Jesus operated. This is how we are to operate, is through love. So God operates. Yes. Man. Verse 8, Owe no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. Fulfilled the law. I want people to, to think about that and meditate upon that. This is how you fulfill the law. This love is how one you, another. Love this, one another. Wow. This is how you walk in the Spirit. Yes. It's through love. Verse 9, For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet, and if there is any other commandment. So he he lumped it all together there, didn't he? He sure did. Are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 10, now this is, he emphasizes this. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law because that's who God is. God is love. God is love. And we have that fruit of love living within us. And you know, Terry, I got to meditating upon this fruit, just the word fruit. 
This is the character of God that works within us. It's an invisible power that works within us. That invisible power is the Holy Spirit of God. And that fruit, that power, is in us now. Yes, every born-again believer, that fruit lives within them. So we need to understand fruit. We need to understand what's in us. Yes. Have our brothers and sisters in Christ and those who don't even know the Lord to expose people to this nature of God. God's love has been poured out on the world. He sent his only begotten son for the world. It's his love that operates in our life, and that's the knowledge and revelation we want to receive. Yes, yes. And you know, as I was studying this fruit, the word fruit, the Lord prompted in my memory to go back to Psalms chapter 1, because fruit is mentioned throughout the Bible all the time, the word fruit. So this is, this is the way the Lord has always operated in trying to give us understanding of who he is. I have Psalms. Psalms chapter 1. I'll be reading from verses 2 and 3. This is David. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water and brings forth its fruit in its seasons, whose leaves shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. It's telling us that he needs to meditate on the Lord in order to bear fruit in his life. And we need to do the same thing. Meditate on the word. Uh, is it Joshua 1.8 where it, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth? Yes. That's in our thinking, in our thoughts. The whole book of Psalms, the Lord was saying, do you see how David was meditating all the time because he started writing the Psalms? He was meditating upon the Word. The more he meditated, the more he sought God, the more fruit was bearing in his life. And that fruit is knowledge, isn't it? And revelation. Knowing who you are in Christ. Yes, it is. That's absolutely the key. And as I was reading, I went into Luke. But it's talking about John the Baptist. Yes. And he was introducing fruit as well, wasn't he there? Absolutely. And you know, I never noticed that until we started really studying this the Lord was just showing and revealing to me, I'm talking about fruit all the time. I'm talking about a new nature that's now to take place in our lives. Right. For every born-again believer. John the Baptist, Luke chapter 3, verse 8. Bring forth, therefore, fruits worthy of repentance, and bring and begin not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children from Abraham. The, what we want to pull from that is the fruits. He's talking about a new season. <laughs> the new covenant is, has come, is coming in the form of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And he's also saying there that we cannot bear fruit of ourselves. Yes. That's why he says this. I'm going to read from my New King James. Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. What's being said there, I think, is 
he was telling him right up front, don't think just because you're Abraham's seed that that's bearing fruit. It's not. It's not because he's talking about repentance here. And yes. Repentance is turning and going the other way, changing your thinking. And that's what he's saying here. There's going to be a different way of thinking. Go ahead and read verse 9. Verse 9 in the King James says, And now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. This old root of the old covenant is being chopped down. Isn't that something? Yes. Do you see the correlation there back to Psalms chapter 1? It's about the tree. Absolutely. And it talks about being by the water. The water represents the Holy Spirit of God, does it not? Revealing things? Sure. Nourishing in that? Isn't the, isn't the Word of God awesome? It's wonderful. It's, it's just, awesome. It's, yes. It's just, praise the Lord. Where was I? <laughs> Every tree, therefore, which bringeth forth not good fruit, is hewn down and cast into the fire. Ooh. And keep reading. Verse 10. This and is the people ask him, saying, what shall we do then? They didn't understand what was being no. said, did they? They didn't have a clue. They did not have a clue. Because they were brought up under the old covenant, having yes. this relationship with God through the law and sacrifice. So this is why... in. Verse 8, he talks about bearing fruit worthy of repentance. The old covenant didn't do that. It doesn't bear fruit worthy of repentance. No. It, it kept reminding them of their sin. Yes. It was a sin consciousness. that They would bring the sacrifice and sacrifice over and over and over for their sins. But there's a change going on. The new covenant is coming. And you know what John is going to reveal here in verses 11 and 12 and 13 and 14? He's going to reveal love. Yes, absolutely. And sure you know, is. and I, I've read this I don't know how many times and didn't recognize this. I overlooked this. But the Spirit of God spoke to me and says, do you see the progression here? Of what's he, taking place? He opened my eyes, too, when you brought this portion of Scripture to my attention the other day. I'm going, wow, this is how God's love works. This is God's love. This is the nature of us, and we need to learn to walk in this now. That fruit. Yeah. We need to learn to walk in that fruit. That's how we walk in the Spirit. That's simple. And we have to meditate upon God's Word. We have to be seeking God. We have to be knocking. And then open that door when He talks to us. We have to learn to listen to the Spirit of God. And that's what we're going to see here as we continue reading. Read verse 11, if you like. Uh, verse 11, it says, He answered and said unto them, He that hath two coats, this is where I begin to understand what this picture he was painting of love. He answered and said unto them, He that hath two coats, let him impart to him that have none. And he that have meat, let him do likewise. And then came also publicans to be baptized and saith unto him, Master, what shall we do? And he said unto them, Exact no more than that which is appointed to you. And these were tax collectors. Yes, that's what Mike says, tax collectors. He's painting this picture of love. He says, if you have something to give and you see someone in need, out of love you give it to them. Verse 14. Oh, and the soldiers likewise demanded of him, saying, What? 
shall we do? And he said unto them, do violence to no man, neither accuse any falsely, and be content with your wages. My goodness. Do you see, like you had the people, he talked to the masses. Okay. Now he's talking to government, the tax collectors. Now he's talking to soldiers. Everyone's to have a different mindset now, and it's to walk in this love, to understanding this fruit of the Spirit. So he was talking to the masses? He was talking to... The tax collectors? The tax collectors and the soldiers. Yes. Interesting. I never picked up on that. Because the tax collectors, for the most part, were cheating people out of their money. Sure. The soldiers were mean because they weren't walking in love. And so up here at verse 8, that's what he's trying to tell them. There's a new way of thinking. Yeah, those soldiers, they were abusing the authority that they had. Yes. Okay. That's awesome, Mitch. Thank you. (laughs) And so I'm going to continue to read on here in verse 15. And now as the people were in expectations and all reasoning in their hearts, which is their mind, about John, whether he was the Christ or not. So they were contemplating this. Is this the Messiah that's teaching us? But he emphatically says this. John answered, saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And he was talking to these Pharisees that he had called vipers up here in verse yes. 7. Yes. It was, it was amazing. The point being, I feel that he was more stern because he called them vipers. He was getting them to think is what he was doing. Yes. That's all he was doing. His whole motive was to get them to think of a new way of relationship with God. And it was going to be through the fruit of the Spirit, and that fruit would be of love. But they had no concept of this. But he's telling them, you will when you receive the Holy Spirit of God, because he's going to baptize you in that. He's going to anoint you in that. He's going to teach you all things. These people, these the Pharisees and who he had called this brood of vipers, they had been sent out to find out, to see what this guy, John the Baptist, was all about. And he was proclaiming Jesus. Yes. And in his comment, John makes here in verse 7, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Wow. That's That's harsh. harsh. Yes, you're absolutely right. But it got their attention. Yes. And that's what he was doing. And then he was being very subtle about the fruit, even though they didn't understand it, because we saw that in verse 10, where they said the people asked him, saying, what shall we do then? Yep. They're asking this question. And we're asking the same question today, only we're asking this question. How do we walk in the Spirit of God? That's the question we're asking. How do we bear fruit? That's it. Understanding that fruit that lives within us, the Holy Spirit of God that now has baptized us. Jesus has baptized us in the Holy Spirit of God. And that's the knowledge, and that's the revelation we need to come to so the fruit of the Spirit can begin to manifest in our life. The very first fruit is love. And everything else vines off of that. Joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, 
Before you get too deep in all of this, <laughs> let's go back up here in Luke chapter 3, okay. verse 8 in the Amplified. Okay. And we're talking about these bearing this fruit, and we're defining this fruit so that we can now walk in this newness of life. The Amplified going to explain it a little bit better well, or give us some aid on that? It just hit me. It says, verse 8 says, bear fruits that are deserving and consistent with your repentance, your changed thinking now. Okay. The next thing it says, that is, this repentance, that is conduct worthy of a heart changed, a heart abhorring sin. So we've had a change in our heart, a change in our nature. Yes, that's good. We have to understand that we're this three-part being, spirit, soul, and body. And when we're born again, our spirit has changed. Our core, hasn't it? Our core being has changed. Doesn't look like it initially because we have to change our thinking. We have to change that thinking. We have to understand that there's a new spirit has been birthed. We've been birthed by the Spirit of God. Uh, it reminds me of the scripture in John 3, 3, that you must be first born of water and then born of the Spirit. We have this new nature. I just want to hammer home that point that this fruit of God is our nature now. That's who we are. Yes, and the way that core changes, or the way that core reveals itself, that fruit is faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. This is what John the Baptist was doing. This is what Jesus is doing. And after that, that's what the apostles were doing and the disciples. And that's what we're doing right now. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God and understanding the fruit that lives within us. Coming Man. to that revelation. <laughs> this is deep. <laughs> but it's so simple. It is. It's it so simple, Mitch. It's... It's the Word of God that's in us. We renew our minds to who we are. We read this Word. It brings forth this fruit out of us. I don't want to say automatically, but it's fruit. It's seed. It's who we are. You plant a seed of corn in the ground, it produces corn. If you know that you have this nature of God in you, this love. If you know, that's good. That's good. That's the key. Knowing and understanding the very nature of God lives within me. The Holy Spirit of God lives within me. And the Holy Spirit is trying to teach us. Constantly. Constantly trying to teach us. He's trying to do those three things we talk about all the time. Edification, exhortation, and comfort. Amen. And why he's doing that is trying to bring forth that fruit that's in our core now and bring it in our soulish realm. To where our thinking has changed. There you go. Our thoughts, our imaginations, just like in Psalms chapter 1 with David. God instructed him to meditate upon those things. Meditate. That's what we're to be doing in order to renew our mind. We just don't read scripture and go on. If you just read scripture, you're not going to retain it. It's going to just go in one ear and out the other. That's all. As you talk about that, and I'm hypothetically presenting this question to you. How 
do I meditate 24-7? Well, we're going to develop this more and more as we bring forth this teaching. But my quick answer is, I'm married, and that is a 24-7 relationship. Whether I'm on the West Coast and my wife is on the East Coast, we're still married. So, And you're still meditating upon that relationship. Yes, yes. I might get busy doing something, but, but I'm the, still married. And your conscience is still there. Yes. And in your right. conscience, you're meditating upon that. You can meditate on good things or you can meditate upon bad things. Absolutely. It's totally up to you what you meditate upon. And once you begin to understand this nature of God in you, then when your mind wants to take you in the wrong direction, you say, no, I'm, that's not who I am anymore. That's right. You reject it. Yep. Right away. And then that's part of meditating 24-7. When you're just out driving down the road, praising the Lord, singing a song at the top of your lungs. <laughs> praising the Lord. I was debating whether we should back up even further here in Luke, because <laughs> this gives us a clear picture of how John the Baptist grew in producing fruit in his life. Yes. And we're going to back up and go to Luke chapter 1, starting with the... 77th verse and going to verse 80. The reason I'm even wanting to talk about this because John the Baptist's father was filled with the Holy Spirit and started prophesying. Correct. He was prophesying about Jesus, that he was going to be the Savior of the world, and then he was prophesying about his son. And I'm going to start with verse 76 instead of 7. And this is what he says about John the Baptist. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the highest, for you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his way. And this was his mission, verses 77 and 78, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins. Through the tender mercy of our God. He's going to present what we were just talking about. He's going to give them knowledge that they've been, the word remission means released from their sins. You know why he told them to repent out loud? It gave them a knowledge of understanding that they had sin in their life and they were hopeless and lost. Exactly. That's all they were doing. They didn't repent everything. What it did when he said that, That brought that up in their mind, didn't it? Sure. Everything that they'd been doing wrong. Not everything, but it it brought that sin to their mind. Well, of course. And they said, we're hopeless and lost. Now what are we going to do? But I'll go on here. I'm getting a little off track here. And this is continuing. Which the day brings from on high has visited us to give light to those who sit in the darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. He's going to guide us. Oh, my goodness, man! In verse 80. So the child grew and became strong in spirit with his core and was in the desert till the day of his manifestation to Israel. Wow, that's, that's so good. Go back to 77. It's to give knowledge of salvation. Knowing God, knowing this awesome gift that's been given to us, yes. salvation. And then... And it's through the mercy of God. It's the his mercy of love God. for us. He had mercy on us. He loved us. 
and now to guide us into the way of peace. And he's guiding us through the fruit of the Spirit. Yes, and it's one of the fruit, of course, peace, but praise the Lord. And Terry, I want people just to meditate upon what we've been talking about so they can begin to get their own revelation. Begin to understand. Begin that process mm -hmm. of revelation knowledge. And that's what this is all about, isn't it? Sure. Getting revelation knowledge and trying to understand what we now have through the fruit of the Spirit. I'm overwhelmed. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.